0: Storm Bowling Products, the bowler's company, presents the Collegiate Spotlight with Coach K. Storm's Technical Director, Steve Klimkin, also known as Coach K, and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce you to a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight is Bill Spigner. Bill is a USBC Gold Level coach. He has been named to Boulder's Journal's Top 100 Coaches since the list's inception back in 2006. Bill has three PBA titles and nine regional titles. Bill's also a member of the USBC Hall of Fame. For more on Bill, please check out BillSpeigner.com. Bill, Timberg and Coach K. Steve Klemkin here. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me on. It's been a while, and uh, I do listen to your shows and uh, look forward to participating.
0: Excellent. Well, Bill, what, we're, what we want to talk to you about is we want to really kind of focus on some high school aspects of bowling and helping the high school bowlers when it comes to improving their game so that they can bowl in, in college. So yourself being a USBC Gold certified coach, let's talk about how a high school bowler and frankly kind of is for any bowler, but even a bowler with maybe a little bit less muscle, muscle memory than say an old timer like myself, how can we overcome bad habits and how can we break bad habits?
1: Well, uh, at that age, in the high school bowlers, with what I'm in, I I get a lot of kids that are just starting to bowl when they get to high school. So we don't have the youth programs we used to have as a feeder uh, system to get bowlers. And I find with the kids at at a younger age, they're really in the developmental stages. And and obviously, if you get them right at the beginning, you can develop them uh, in a certain way. If you have a kid that's more experienced, has the bowling youth league since they're 7 or 8 years old, and their form and personality of the game has set in pretty good, and they have some issues, it gets, it's not that easy to change because you've got to stay on top of it all the time. And I find kids are like chameleons. Every day they're different. And even the, the a little higher skill bowlers are a little different. And one of the things that I always do with my, my students and especially the high school kids and even the adults, is I have to teach them what they are doing and why what they do works and doesn't work and then learn to develop a feel for it. And then on top of that feel, they have to be able to see what the ball is doing going down the lane to relate it to their feel. So a lot of times it's getting them to understand themselves and understand the feelings of the shot, to understand whether the shot's better or not. So let's say a person has their swing trapped way behind their back, and they say, Oh, I'm always missing right. I said, Well, if you get ball, well, if you handle it early, it's going to go way right on time. It's going to go in the right direction and late. It's going to go left. And once they start understanding their feelings, then they can understand the root of the problem at the end. So regardless if it's a kid uh, with more experience that's been bowling for a long time or anybody, you know, you have to acquire a feel and a sight for what's going on.
2: Do you uh, do you incorporate much uh, video work at this stage, or is that a little premature?
1: Uh, I do video all the time. Like when, I, when I, my high school season starts, and uh, I would take a video of everybody, and I would show them a little at a time. And uh, and sometimes the beginning ones, you're trying to get them into an approach and a form. The more advanced ones, you're you, you got to let them know and see what they're doing, so they get to understand it. And that's the The visual training for them, and they can understand. Then it makes it a little easier to explain to them what's happening and why things happen the way they do. And to me, video is an absolute must.
0: So, Bill, as uh, two handed bowling becomes more and more popular, are you seeing the kids gravitate towards that? And then, as a coach, how are you helping the two handed bowlers? Because there's, you know, two handed bowling, you still can have some kinks in your game and some some weaknesses that you need to, to iron out.
1: Uh, yes, actually, uh, it's pretty, uh, it's really taking over for a lot of kids. And the, 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 the beauty of the two handed delivery is they can automatically get a good release. And when we teach kids good form at a young age, they're not strong enough to get a good release. However, when they go two handed, all of a sudden they can hook the lane right away. So they develop a hook right away. And what I've seen is I see lots and lots of kids in our area. And we have a little uh, middle school program going on right now. And there's about 30 kids in it. And every year is a different amount. And this year just so happened that a couple of the kids had a little skills and a couple of their friends and uh, one of the kids, older brother bowled on our high school team. And one's a two-hander and one's a no-thumber. So about 25 out of 30 kids are no-thumbers or two-handed, and they're all in seventh and eighth grade. So they gravitate to what they see. So it's a pretty amazing phenomenon. And so I know in the next two years, I'm going to have a, I am going have might have a whole team of two-handers. And the ones with no thumb, I try to get them to go two-handed because it's a lot easier and a lot more good things happen in the approach with two-hand than it does with no-thumb. So, I, I think uh, what Belmonte has done, and I, it could have happened a long time ago if uh, somebody uh, started like Joey Berardi when he was a kid, was a two handed He cradled the ball for his approach and released it with one hand when he was a younger teenager, a middle teenager. It could have happened then. And I think it's it's just, it's, it's almost an easier way to learn how to bowl and throw strikes. And with the way the lane conditions are today, with all the oil in the middle and the dry the outside, just spin the crap out of it. And it never hooks, and you throw it as far outside the the oil, it hooks back. So it can create a lot of area. So it's kind of interesting what's happening. And coming down the pike, I'm gonna, you're going to see a ton of two-handers.
0: So talk about the no-thumber, because that still is kind of a thing that you see from time to time from a bowler. It's something, how do you coach, I guess, what what are the drawbacks to it? Is it accuracy? But what else, you said you try to convert them to a two-thumber, so explain, or a two-finger, rather, or a uh, yeah, two hander. So, kind of explain that to me, and I guess for our listeners out there that still see the guys, just you know, no thumbing it.
1: Well, the it's balance. The the people that are no thumbers have to incorporate a lot of muscle, and uh, because they're trying to brace their left side against the right side and throwing the ball. Whereas the two hander, they're they're rotating, and they have actually better balance and they have better angles that are created because with the the no thumber, the ball is outside. Outside the body, let's say, with a two-hander, the body's got a lot of tilt, and the ball is I- inside the, the head and inside behind the body, so they create space. So with a two-hander with a no-thumber, it's harder. Uh, they're just it just doesn't function quite as well, in my opinion. However, if you go back to the Mike Miller days, he learned how to bowl with one with his hand in the ball, and then throw a lot of ball, and he experimented with no thumb, but he already had a fine-tuned physical game and knowledge on how to play the game. So. Yeah, you know, if I had a kid starting out, I would definitely have them two-handed uh, versus no thumb. No thumb is definitely harder to throw.
2: So, Bill, is it just a matter of you know, for those of us who have been bowling for quite some time, kind of going back to that first question with muscle memory? Um, is it is it difficult because of that muscle memory to try and convert traditional style to a two-hander, or is it more just like a, a flexibility and an age? Kind of a thing. What what makes it so tough for uh, somebody who's a traditional style to convert to to two-handed?
1: I think it's age and uh, definitely flexibility. And your body gets used to being in certain positions. I have had some kids uh, that go with uh, their thumb in the ball, a traditional style, for a couple of years, and all of a sudden they wanted to change. And they did. And uh, a lot of kids that change change because they want to throw more ball because they can't stand the ball going straight and how hard it is to get the ball to hook. But for an older person, I, I, I don't know. I I could throw it, but he can't develop the speed and stuff. And uh, Walter Ray Williams is doing it. He throws it pretty well. But could he ever be Walter Ray Williams as a two-hander like he is as a one-hander? Probably not. It might be something he could survive in. So I think it depends on your skill level. The higher the skill level you are, the more ground you have to make up to get to your previous skill level. The lower skill level you are, the less ground you have to make up, and it would be easier transition provided you're physically uh, able to do it.
2: And then kind of keeping on that same sort of theme, you know, international art of bowling and Jason Balmani and DeAndra Asbeti uh, and Jason now being a two-hander and, you know, the premier Two-handed player in the world, and he's you know kind of started this whole uh, revolution. I would say, as far as that's as far as that's gone with the two-handed technique. Um, what what have you seen as far as uh, 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 maybe some pros and cons? You said one of the big pros with two-handed bowling is you immediately get a get a great release. Are there any are there any cons to that style, or is that something that you you said you're going to be teaching uh, far into the future?
1: Uh, I think it's going to be. Taught far into the future, uh, one of the liabilities is, is of it and, and the no thumber is getting into play lanes. And in high school bowling, we go on almost all house shots. It, it, they're, they're all house shots. There's a variety of house shots. Like our house shot is a uh, tighter in one day and it's looser the next day. And we go to other places. It is being able to line up properly on the oil line and be able to advance as the lanes change. So a lot of two handers. Uh, that hook the ball a lot, I, I try to get them to learn to throw straighter and straighter and harder. And the ones that can throw straighter and harder can line up better and they bowl a lot better. So uh, it's, it's teaching them how to play lanes and recognizing the, how to play the oil line. And as the oil line changes, goes more inside out as they progresses and how to line up on it. And if they over-rev and over-hook it, they can't line up on it. So they're always looking for the puddle, and you can't always play the puddle totally. So uh, that's one of the liabilities is, is lane play. And the other liability is spare shooting, and it makes it a little more difficult uh, for a right-hander to make the right side, a left-hander to make the left side, because the, the ball obviously hooks more, and it's harder for them to learn how to throw it straight than it is to learn how to hook the ball, whereas the average bowler, it's harder for them to learn how to hook the ball than it is to throw it straight. So it's a kind of uh, just the opposite. And technique-wise, I, I see the same things with the two-handers and one-handers. The games evolve. If you look like at Jason Belmonte when he first came out on tour, his game is dramatically different now than it was then. And uh, you say he's the best two-handed bowler in the world. He is the best bowler in the world. There's no mm-hmm. question about it. And the two-handers release the ball with one hand. The, the overwhelming majority of them. So. Once they learn how to play all the angles and develop a wide range of play and in their in their abilities to, with releases and speeds and loss, just because of the reverie and the speed they can generate, it, it's hard to keep up with them, and I, I don't see it changing.
0: So, Bill, you hit on a thing there that was key that I thought was the high school bowlers, a lot of stuff you're bowling on is typical house shots. One of the things that we seem to hear a lot when we talk to our uh, collegiate players is they go from the collegiate shots, which are all sport compliant and usually very challenging back to after they graduate from school to try to you know get back into leagues and do some league play and such and they run into these these just back the house shots and it's almost like it's not a, it's not a skill it's not a challenge for them and they're kind of bored with it. So talk about what you know what has to change I guess um, even from you know putting your proprietor's hat on from from way back when um, to what can change to help kind of, keep everyone happy because you got you know the old guard who sometimes just want to use it as a night out and then you got the young guys who want to you know use it as uh, practice for their their tournament play so how can we kind of keep everyone happy in, in leagues
1: well the same way we always did you can't <laughs> <laughs> so the oversimplified answer obviously but uh, it, it's hard but you know it, I'll go into a little different area here like our high school kids that we go on predominantly uh, easier conditions, they're not skilled enough for the overwhelming majority of them to bowl on tougher conditions. And let's say we have, we have 200 high school teams in the state of Illinois. I would say maybe, maybe 5% go on to bowl college. So if you start looking at those numbers, you know, teaching them how to bowl on sport conditions where they're not going to carry on and get to the competitive level of a college bowler is kind of counterproductive for a lot of the kids. And a lot of kids want to do it and enjoy it. And quite honestly, with higher scores, the parents enjoy it more, the kids enjoy it more. And at that skill level, it's more fun. Now you go. There's a there's a minority of the kids that bowl a lot of tournaments too, and those are the ones that want to bowl on sport conditions. And we have a lot of uh, You know, two or three, I think three tournament organizations in our Midwest area here that do predominantly sport conditions. And uh, I give lessons to a lot of kids that go to those. And so you try and teach them how to bowl in the sport conditions, and it becomes more verbal. So you get emails from them and texts from them as they're bowling, so helping them line up and stuff. But as far as to make everybody happy later on in life, you know, when when a kid goes to college and they bowl collegiately and they're out there all the time bowling, the next step after college is Team USA trying for that and or the tour. And you take, let's say you have 200 college teams, you may have 5% of the people that might want to do that after they get done with college. And so when they go back home to bowl league, it does get a little bit boring, and I can understand that, especially if they're a higher-skilled player. But there isn't a lot for them to do out there. So once they get involved in their life and you know, married, military, career, whatever it be, they can't bowl much anyways. And then when they come back in their 30s, in mid-30s, and they want to have a night out, bowling is still there. And that's what I noticed when I was in my, my first pro shop I got to meet a lot of people that hadn't bowled for quite a while and they were in their early thirties and they were getting back into bowling. Cause they developed the skills to play the game at a young age and they weren't looking for the big challenge. And so how do we provide it as an industry to, to, to supply those people with a challenge? It is out there with uh, team USA tryouts. It's out there with USBC championships, uh, a minority of the tournaments has sport conditions in the, uh, and unfortunately, sport bowling has not really succeeded in our country. I ran sport leagues right when they started. And uh, actually, before sport leagues started, my leagues were sport leagues. So if you go by the letter of the law as far as sport bowling, I had a pretty flat pattern out there. And people learned how to bowl on it. I bowled fine on it. 220 would be high average in the league. And I had all the best bowlers in Chicago and area bowling in it. So it was pretty uh, it was. Pretty, uh, it was Sport bowling before sport bowling in in our area right now we only have two sport bowling leagues in the whole northern side of uh, Illinois. It's kind of crazy. So there, it's not even the proprietors aren't even embracing the sports side of bowling to put it out there, and there's very few proprietors that are doing it. So I don't know if I answered hey, that fin- question or not, but <laughs> go
2: ahead. Hey, final final question I have for you, Bill. Um, tell us a little bit more about your Involvement and your role there at the International Art of Bowling, and maybe what uh, some upcoming events you have. I think you're some kind of a technical advisor. Is that right?
1: Uh, yes, yeah, kind of. It's uh, I do. They they have a website, International Art of Bowling, and they have this thing called a circle. It's a it's a membership thing. They pay, pay a monthly fee to be part of it, where they can post stuff on there, and there is a, a wealth of knowledge and videos and documents on there that people could read through to learn how to play the game better uh the, the members can post videos and questions and so i usually do all of the video analysis and then jason will chime in and be at times and so it's basically answering all the questions that all the members have and we have a, a, a once a month radio show so to speak uh, we did one last night uh and they run clinics. Uh, we're doing one in uh, Scottsboro, Alabama, uh, April third and fourth. That's Friday, Saturday. It's uh, we did one there last year, and and we did Jandra and I did a couple other ones. And so it, it it's it's for people to have a place to go learn how to bowl, and uh, and I answer questions that are submitted in, uh, through emails and uh, develop videos for the site. Uh, and documents, so it's 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 all inclusive on my part. So I do a, a lot of that stuff.
0: Well, great stuff. Again, check out billspieger.com for all of where you can find out information on Bill. Take a lesson. Uh, Bill's uh, located in the Chicago land area. I can tell you from experience. I did a les- lesson with Bill back when i was living in that part of the country and bill's great and and his wealth of knowledge is one that really frankly if you're in that area you should you should take advantage of but bill for all of the information on uh, on what we've been talking about with the iab and also some of the other uh, coaching and such that that bill's doing so bill i want to thank you for joining us today and we'll by all means have to have you back on the show and uh, best of luck with everything
1: thanks good to hear from you guys